Hello and welcome to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. On today's episode, I am joined by Jake Waby, who is a video and content producer in the entertainment industry. We discuss the value of video and audio in entertainment, as well as what is that sweet spot when it comes to a vocal reel. We also discuss the pros and cons of going to drama school, so let's jump into the interview. On today's episode of the Business of Show Business podcast, I am joined by a creative video producer, director and editor who has worked with some of the biggest names in the entertainment industry and he also runs a very busy and successful vocal reel recording service on the side. Let's hear it out for Jake Waby. How's it going, my friend? Very good, thank you. Very good. Very. I was just saying, very strange to be on this side of the mic Yeah. Uh, for once. And I feel so 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 official right now in your little recording studio in your flat which is amazing <laughs> yeah we just had quite a setup experience yes it was good so jake we met originally met actually on a press night i was um the red carpet um presenter and you were kind of the cameraman giving me also direction as well not just filming you did the whole shebang all of it. All of it. And the fantastic thing, I think, about you as a creative service and product yourself is that you actually come from an acting background as well. I do indeed. You do. So can you tell us a bit more for the listeners who may not, they may not actually have met you, but they've probably seen your work on a trailer for a show or an artist kind of recording their either their vocal reel or like a little concept video. Can you tell us a bit more about your background? You know what, just, just picking up on that, you know what I also find, find really weird is when people go, oh, are you Jake? W production like I've uh, been to places that people say that I'm like oh my god the power of social exactly you have a fantastic logo <laughs> thank you thank you um yes yeah, so I uh, grew up I, I traditional entertainer kid grew up singing cocky on stage at Robbie Williams-esque performing my signature song was let me entertain you um so I did that for years and years and years I was also on a, on a radio show when I was younger judging talent um and it was broadcast in the US, which was amazing. Um, I then kind of moved to London when I was 18. And oh, yeah, this was in Spain, by the way. Yeah, you don't sound Spanish at all, but you yeah. grew up in Spain. I grew up in Spain. <laughs> um, and then I moved to London when I was 18. And uh, I went to drama school for two years. I went to New York, went to drama school there for four months or something. Um, and then I decided that the acting side of the industry wasn't for me um, for numerous reasons. Um, and yeah, and then and then kind of this was born, this whole production crazy world that I now live in. Uh, that's where that kind of came from. And how long have you been kind of working more solely on the production creative side? That's a very good question. I, I, I was working out this year. I think I've been in London eight years now, Okay, which is crazy. So it must be four or five years. Okay. Um, on its own, I mean, I, I teched a little bit in theatre, so I did a lot of, of lighting, a lot of sound, which obviously all fed into skills that I still use now. Um, so, yeah. Um, some of the things I want to unpack from what you said before we get cracking on your actual production no, company now is that um, off-air when we were kind of setting up and we were talking about your background and how your theatre journey started quite young. You were on the radio show when, how old were you, 12? 12, yeah, from 12 years old to, to 17. So you were saying, which I thought was a fantastic, um, what you were telling me was you did a lot of what 
um, performers do, our in-between jobs, our survival jobs of the gigging, things like that, you actually did at a younger age. So now, once you have moved to London to go to drama college, you kind of didn't not necessarily want to step back, but you're like, I've done that chapter of my life, I've grown from it, now it's the next step, which is maybe come to the production side. But can you just tell us a bit about doing that when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was a dream, really. I would I would leave school early to go to the studio and record a radio show. I would, um, on weekends, I would be gigging three nights of the weekend and be earning a semi-decent amount of money for a for a 13-year-old, uh, you know, doing that. And and I, I really did love it as a kid. I mean, obviously, it was still a job, in a sense. Um, but it kind of felt like coming to London, I was like, okay, this is the next step for me. This is, this is where I'm going as opposed to where I've been. And I... Uh, and then actually progressing into the industry, it, it just felt a lot different to what I thought it would. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. No, no, completely, yeah. And I think, because at drama school, you, um, again, this is quite a bold statement. It might not be the same at every drama school, but they try and equip you with maybe a little bit of everything, like a bit of singing, a bit of dancing, a bit of acting, and then they're kind of like, you're a West End person, you're a commercial dancer, you're a cruise ship dancer. So for you... First of all, A, have the skills you learned at drama school and training helped you when you were creating your own business for production? But then B, was it kind of almost you branching out because you, like you said, you, you'd done the drama, you solely focused on that because you've been creating videos from a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, I, like I, I did my brother's wedding videos, like all of the traditional stuff you do growing up. Um, if you're kind of a really creative I was always on a computer, like learning to edit, learning to even web design and things like that. I still do now. Like I've done, I do all of my websites. I do all of my graphic design. Like that's why it's quite overwhelming because <laughs> I do everything that it's, that it's like, uh, yeah, I just grew up wanting to do it all. So I, um, and I, and I think as you, as I said to you before, before we actually started rolling, I, I think, feel like that was a kind of thing that I lost in drama school. So I didn't do as much graphic design or video or anything. And I didn't realise how big a part of my life that was until it was gone. Did it almost seem like you had to just be in the arts? Because quite often we are told we need to eat, sleep, breathe the arts. You need to learn to sing, dance, act. But quite often a lot of creatives do have other skill sets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just think about how competitive the industry is now, I mean, how many, even from when I went, how many more drama schools there are, how how many more kids that are coming into it. And I mean, I know I see so many people come in to do vocal reels um, and just how like oversaturated the industry is. So obviously when you go in and start training, you have to be 100% dedicated to improving and, and, and making the best of yourself. Um, and, and I think I did that in a sense of going, okay, forget all this other stuff that I can do, all of these other skills that I've amassed throughout the years. I'm going to be the best singer I can be. I'm going to be the best actor that I can possibly be. And I'm going to try and dance, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, uh, so that's so that I think that's where that where that was lost for me, and I and I, and I didn't realize probably how big a part of my life that was that I'd kind of just chucked away and got oh no that, I can pick that up at some other point. And I think for the three years that I that I trained and and was an actor, I guess um, I I missed that so much, and and people would meet me and say oh you're 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 so different, and I'm like yeah because because a bit of me 
wasn't there. And and I think when I regained that and started this production company and started working with some fantastic people, I think that kind of brought me back to me. And and yeah, I'm just I'm super grateful for everything, to be honest, that's that's happened since then. But it was definitely a couple of years where I was really lost um, and kind of without direction, I guess, because it's hard to be an actor. And, and I don't think people should forget that, that it's that it's really difficult and you have to be really dedicated, obviously. Yeah, and I think um, I've said this on some of the other episodes of the podcast is that as performers, we typically attach our worth to the job we've just been in or we, if you're not in a job, you don't, you do feel a bit lost or if you've not got clear goals or there's no, sometimes as a performer, there's no clear progression route. Like if you worked at a bank and you may start, I don't know, just as like a general employee, then you could maybe become like a supervisor, manager, bank branch manager. But as a performer, there's no clear route. And I think two things from what you said I've taken away is that A, it was great. You tried some, you tried the acting to realise maybe that wasn't for you. But then the skills you learned as an actor make you so employable what you do because you obviously people come to you for voice reels for press night trailers for show reels for editing and being an actor having had that training probably really helps you with that yeah absolutely I mean I I don't think that anyone should ever um go okay that bit of my life was useless because I I'm me because of it you know that three years made me who I am so you can't go oh yeah um I, I tried drama school that was a waste of time because I can do vocal reels now because I have the training to go, okay, uh, that note was flat, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and things like that. Um, I know as a performer, when I'm in front of the camera, it's completely different than when you're performing on stage. Yeah, absolutely. And you can make people probably feel a lot more at ease because you're like, right, just loosen it up, just do this, or you're just chatting to a friend. Because when we work together on press nights, I think we work very well together because A, your knowledge of the industry. So if I'm finishing up with an interview with someone, you can kind of clock them with your eye and be like, so-and-so's coming up, or you might be like, they, might, they won't be happy with that shot. Let's ask them again. Yeah, and I think also knowing, empathising and knowing how the performer feels, because often it's it's scary, even if you're the most experienced performer or presenter in the world. Being in front of a camera, there's always a thing. And being in front of a microphone, even now, I'm like, my head's going at a thousand miles a minute, going, oh my God, I'm in front of a microphone. I don't do this. I'm usually behind yeah. it, you know? Um, so knowing that that's all happening and going, okay, guy, like, it's cool. Like, we're here for you. We can retake, we can do whatever. It, nothing is ever perfect first time. So we can we can have as many goes as this as you want. And and being aware of how people are feeling, I think, is is a huge thing. Completely. And I think as actors, you you very rarely get the feedback from an auditional casting. And although they are a lot of casting directors now are being absolutely fantastic and sending an email, whether it's just saying, unfortunately, we can't progress you any further or some are giving feedback. So I do love that initiative. But again, quite often as performers, you just go in a room and you either get the job or you don't. So I think it's lovely that you can kind of be that voice of reason to be like, I know you're probably kicking yourself right now because that you mucked up that note, but yeah, you can yeah. just be like, right, let's do it again. It's fine. We've got time. We do it again. A lot of people, and I've kind of noticed doing doing vocal roles how nervous a lot of people get. And I'm and in a sense, I'm like, darling, you're playing you're paying me to do this. Like I'm grateful to be here to to work with you and make this the best we can get today. You know? Sometimes people come in and their voice isn't in the right place today. And I'm like, we'll do our best. We'll we'll make it happen, you know? Um I, I just think there's so many pressured areas of the industry that my my kind of media part of it doesn't have to be one of them. Um, people can come in and feel relaxed and and be their best. Um, 
in the moment, you know. I think for the industry, because of maybe time restraints or budget, um, the audition process has changed dramatically where some companies may only be able to hold a two-day audition process as opposed to five days. So they will want to see maybe a video submission or a vocal reel or get you to record a song at home and send it. So as an industry professional such as yourself, how important is it for creatives to have a show reel or a vocal reel, whether it's professional quality or not? I, I think it's very important nowadays. It's very important to have a vocal reel, whether that be professional or, or clips of performances that you've put together on iMovie, you know, things, just, just something that will show someone what you can do. Um, because at the end of the day, it's a digital world. Even even things like putting, being able to put things out on social. Like I have client, I have people that come to me and just pay for an hour in the studio because they want to just whack out a couple of songs so they can put it on Instagram. And like I completely appreciate that because that's the world that we live in. You know, people want to see your voice reels and want to see your your show reels um, before they even get you in the room now. Which, in some ways, is a shame, but in some ways, it's not because. If you've got a killer voice reel and you've got the talent, you're going to be seen, you know, a, a lot more than, than than you were before. Completely. And I think when you're performing in a show, you may perform to an audience of 100, 200, 300. Great. But social media now gives you that platform to perform to an audience of possibly thousands. Um, Actually, a really good example is, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I'll find it out. But that the girl, I don't know if you saw, there was a video on a London Underground when someone was going around with a mic saying... Yes, and she was on Ellen yeah, recently. Yes, like a week later, I got flown to like... LA. LA to be on Ellen. I think she's been gigging for fifteen years. Absolutely, and but she's just living her life. Yeah. She's she's doing, and and all it takes is one moment to go viral. You know, yeah. or even not even go viral. All it takes is one person to see your video, who who has something for you. You know, why would you go? Oh, I'm not. Uh, I you know, I'm not going to open myself self up to these opportunities because I don't understand social media. It's part of the world. It's part of your industry. Um, you need to you need to grasp that and try and use it to the best of your ability. It, and I mean, if you don't, you don't. You know, it's not the end of the world. But it, talking about the best opportunities that you want to give yourself, that's what I would I, I would say. Use all of the moments, like even a voice reel that we do, you can be split up into four clips that you can put on social media. That's four pieces of content, you know, uh, which is worth, which is priceless. What you're saying now is like, it's like music to my ears because I'm like, yes, because when I teach him, I like my branding workshops and I media train creatives up and I'm like, everything to do with your personal brand is an opportunity for content and whatever social channels you use for business, that's where you need to put that out. Granted, I'm not saying everyone has to be on every social media platform and for you, your Facebook, maybe for your family, but whatever you're using as your shop front, you need that content. Absolutely. I mean, I I can genuinely tell you that I've taken social media apart from Instagram off my phone because I I was spending too much time um, scrolling and and reading and and watching like that rabbit hole of Facebook videos would just kill me. Um, so I've taken that off my off my phone, but I'm I'm still posting and I'm and I've got scheduling programs that that mean that I can put my content out without necessarily having to be addicted to it or 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 kind of mental health side of social media. That, that I can control that while still like keeping up with social personal socials and business socials because because I've got two different three different uh sets of accounts for all of the different things that I do yeah. you know so 
so yeah, that's it's very important. Completely. Very important. Um, I always get this line mucked up when I try and say it. I thought of this genius line. I thought when I say it, but make social media work as hard for you as you do for yourself. So eventually, you don't have to. Like Beyonce doesn't need to tweet a picture now. She's got a whole team behind her. But you want to be your own Beyonce of your own life. So yeah, start off using social media as you can in whatever capacity, even if it's just once a week, and you can build up. And eventually, like I've been booked for presenting jobs because I've happened to post a photo with an engaging caption as a casting um, director or an event booker has found me i remember once i posted from a press night a nice photo and three weeks later i got flown to dubai to do like a little corporate gig and right. the life's not always like that at all no absolutely but... you can't say this is going to happen if you post on social media but i think i think it all it takes is for you to relate to someone you know if, if you read a caption and and i read your caption i go you know what i really understand what what jamie's going through today that creates a connection and then we'll I'll see you at an event and and then I'll all of a sudden have a presenting job for you you know because I've made that connection in my head and gone okay I can I can work with this person you know even if it's just the fact that I don't know you love your dog I love dogs you know <laughs> so if I see that you've got you've got such a cute dog when I see you at um, the other palace or, or one of the other crazy events that our industry holds you know I'll come up to you and be like oh my god I love your dog you know, and that's a that's an opportunity to, to connect in real life. And then you never know where that leads because you never know where people are going to go and, and what people are going to do with their life, you know. Completely. And if, if anyone wants to buy me a dog, I will accept that. Oh, me open too. Arms. Me too. We want dogs. I, what do I want? I want a, um, oh, what are they called? A Havanese. Oh, oh my God. I don't, have you I, seen them? No, I'm going to have to Google gonna, image yeah, that in a minute. You, I'm going to have to show you it. So what is a typical day like for you? Because you're very multifaceted and there may be days when it's like, or weeks when it's like, right, this is focal reels every day. Then it might be video or there might be slower days when you're maybe pitching for jobs or looking for jobs. Can you kind of give us a rundown of what a day to day may be? So no one day is the same. <laughs> so that's, that's a really difficult question. I mean... Some days I'll be out filming all day. Some weeks I'll be out filming all week where I will where I won't be at home. I'll just be going from venue to venue, um, from client to client. Um, some weeks I'll be recording four, three or four vocal reels a day um, here in my studio, you know. And some days I will be drinking Starbucks and editing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's completely crazy and, and you can't... There's no, there's no, the only time I schedule is my days off. I, is I, I schedule a day off a week because I think that's really important. So you have time to reflect and time for yourself. Um, but apart from that, it's just where can I fit things yeah. and how can I make things happen? And what is um, rejection for you now? Because as a performer, rejection is maybe getting cut from an audition or not even getting pulled in. But obviously, being your own business, there are forms of rejection, which I think that happens in every line of work there is. You didn't get the promotion. You got fired. Right, right, right. What is rejection now for you? Because I think it's important for people to hear from all aspects of the creators industry. We have great days and we have bad days. So what kind of thing is, what class is rejection for you now? I, th I think what's really weird is that I, that one of the big reasons I decided not to be an actor is is because I couldn't handle the rejection. And, and you have to be very, very honest with yourself about that and be like, this is this is just something that I can't I can't I can't deal with mentally. So it, it depends what kind of day I'm having is, is a genuine answer to that question is a, quite a candid answer is that some days I'll come away from meeting someone brilliant and I'll be like, oh, my God, uh, I, I said that thing and maybe they didn't like me. And, and to me, in my head, that's a form of rejection is that I go, OK, uh, maybe I I 
played that meeting a little bit wrong and and that happened but then there's there's the there's the quite simple things of going of pitching for a job and not getting it but at the end of the day it, nothing it, it's nothing life-changing you just have to move on and go okay next thing uh we're we're still living we're still smiling my family is still okay you know i'm breathing i think what's interesting is when i although i still do dance um when i swap more so to my media and journalism side of things pitching for jobs or for clients was very similar to auditioning like i would have to research as auditioning for make sure i wore the right audition outfit make sure my cv was in the right format and i thought oh actually when i it took me a while but when i was pitching for jobs or interviewing to run social media for shows or oh this is a very similar process and it was weird to me that for most dance out that you might not think you're business savvy or but like you are running your yeah, own you're, business you're using those skills and and what's funny or what's um i'm kind of fortunate in a sense that i mean i let a lot of work come to me because i because i have my company and my brand i often don't have to go searching for work which I, which is really fortunate for me. Um, it's it's all about being nice, I think, in in this world, especially nowadays. Is the nicest people always win, <laughs> and yeah. not being and nice, not in a sense of being gullible, but nice in a sense of you, you have no reason not to be kind to everyone, even the runner, because you never know where the runner's going to be in in a good couple of years do you know what i mean i would say completely because i am um, i used to work for royal caribbean cruise line as a dancer and aerialist and i used to then assist at their london auditions um, and sometimes my role would be signing people in sometimes it would be teaching the combo or filming the auditions but quite often i'd be outside signing people in and people would be bad mouthing the audition they've just come out of right, or this right. or that and then they would walk into the audition and i could be also sat on the panel and then they'd like their face would drop because i'm like mm. I know with your negative, the way you just reacted to that situation, we can't put you on a ship with the same cast for six months and not expect you to like, yeah, everyone goes absolutely. crazy in a ship, but like to go like, we can't have that negative energy. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's about, and people have bad days. And, and even I sometimes say things that I'm like, why did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, you want to contribute positively to the yeah. world, even though you may be having a really tough time because an audition hasn't come through in, in the last couple of weeks or uh, you're not getting the creative projects that you want to get and, and all of those those things. It may be really tough and and everybody's having a tough time. I think the thing that you that you learn in this crazy creative industry is that everyone has a story and, and you talk to someone and everybody has a recent failure that they're really bummed about. Everyone has a massive success that has been crazy for them and and they're really happy about you know everyone has life you know that and i think we forget everyone's human you know even celebrities are human yeah. like we go through ups and downs and, and that's fine um but um just be the best person you can be in the moment i guess is is kind of motto that i live by um and and which has has been great for me <laughs> uh in the sense of i'm working yeah. you know i'm Making things happen. Can you talk a bit more about how your skills you learned as an actor have transitioned into another career? I think a lot of the a lot of the things you learn about about how to meet people and how to how the, how you meet so many people in drama school. And I was always very nice, and and you know, and and how you then develop that relationship. You know, I think that was a massive thing that I took from drama school. I, learning, even learning about the industry in drama, drama school, because obviously I then created my business from everything that I knew and everything that I knew was missing. You know, um, I 
think a lot of the, there's a lot of negative energy that comes from drama school for a lot of people, which unfortunately was the case with, for me, just because I, again, I was missing that kind of big creative part of my life. So I had a lot of like tough weeks uh, where I could not do a time step, um, you know, and and that would consume my life or I was just so tired and, you know, in in drama school. So so coming away from that, I kind of I've kind of learned from that um, in a sense uh, and taking that into my life in operation of going, okay, I do need a day off because I need to I need my body to to, you know, work for me. I need my mind to work for me, you know, and, and those kind of things that you learn from drama school and life, you know. Do you feel that it's also given you, by doing drama school, you learnt what you did and didn't like from theatre and you've almost then found this niche to combine your production, visual, audio skills with your passion for theatre and you're now kind of sitting very positively in this niche of capturing press night footage, um, filming shows, showreels? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it absolutely taught me where there were holes in the industry that I could slot into, you know. Um, I think, as we've spoken about many times, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think content in the West End is lacking. I feel like there could be a lot more that we could do with video and with with other things that that I saw happening on Broadway, but was like, what what about here? Why why aren't we doing these things? And and I think that was a big motivator for me to do what I'm doing. And I also say now that I I wasn't the first one to do this. You know, I can't like take the credit for that because there were, there were a lot of people doing it before me. But I think that it made me go, okay, drama school maybe wasn't 100% for me and the performing career wasn't 100% for me. But I then took that and went, okay, what is for me and what can I do and what skills do I have to make my life happy? Because I, cause I think a, bi- a big thing about me not enjoying being an actor was the fact that you can work as hard as you want to work but if you don't have the right auditions or aren't seen by the right people you're just going to be an out of work actor um and i think that was that was really difficult for me to accept um so now in my in what i'm doing i've been able to go okay i can work as hard as i want and it's going to and it's going to pay off you know, that's my outlook on it. It might not be the best, but... No, I think that's great. And also you are... We have a similar um, mindset in the fact of we want to be our own bosses. Absolutely, yeah. And I think to create yeah. the opportunities you want, you are now able, although that may mean that you may have quiet weeks, crazy busy weeks, you're creating a business. I think sometimes as performers, going back to attaching our worth to jobs... We um we do jobs just to tick it off and say, I've done this show, I've done a musical, I've done this or that, without maybe stopping to A, appreciate it, and B, think of, I want to make a career. I it doesn't matter if it's a slow burner. So, and I think a good thing, another good thing to kind of to put across to people is that you don't have to be one thing in this life. You know, I, I can see a day where I go back to acting, maybe. Um, maybe. Who knows? Um, I just know that... I'm going to do exactly what I want to do with my life. And it doesn't matter if people don't think it's possible because, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I think if you are an actor and you want to continue being an actor, that's fantastic. And, and it, But if you do have production skills or if you do have um, great organisation skills, then find a way to make that work with your acting career, you know. Do a job from 7am to 
to 11am because not a lot of things go on in that time in the acting world, you know, apart from maybe auditions, you know. Do you think it's healthy for performers to, if they have another passion, to kind of do that alongside things? Or even if it's not a passion, if they've got another skill set, they can use that to make money? I mean, as you've mentioned, even in this podcast, uh, Jamie, we have a a lot of skills as actors that we don't even realise that we have. I started, initially started this company to be a side thing for being an actor. And then I just realised how much I loved it, you know, and and dived into that. Um, But there are a a lot of things, like uh, voiceovers you can do from the comfort of your own home with not much money spent on it, you know. personal assisting all of these things you can do while maintaining your life as an actor um don't feel like you have to go and work in a shop or you have to go to starbucks if you have a phone or a laptop you know um you're you're way ahead and you're and and you're gonna be fine (laughs) that's so true when i first um started contemplating studying to be a journalist was that right i've got this yearning for it but I'm also quite a good creative writer like what can I do and actually now along now that I do a lot of what I do with my social media marketing I've sometimes hired other performers that I know are actually really good at um, website copy or they're really good on social media all of the people that I pay to do things are are either performers or ex-performers because they know the industry and they know um they know what things are what I'm looking for and and you know don't underestimate the knowledge that you have or undervalue rather because this is this is a crazy industry and the fact that you're even three years out of uh, like three years into drama school you will have soaked up so much knowledge that you can then use in in businesses like this or 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 as 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 a journalist or, or as different things Completely. And I think at first, you may have found this when you finally made a decision to launch a production company, even though it was a parallel career to start with. I'd been dancing professionally probably for about, when I graduated, 2007, so 13 years now. So probably about seven or eight years into my professional dance career was when I was like, right, I want to start doing some short writing courses, restudy um, as a journalist, which I eventually, I'm 32 now, and at the age of 28, 29, I retrained as a journalist but it was almost like I was turning my back on the industry did you find that when you were when your side hustle of this production company became your main hustle what was it like mentally dealing with that because I found when I was stopped going to certain auditions people were like why why are you not going to that and I'm like yeah. actually because if this next thing I'm going to do will give me more longevity or I'm getting the same buzz from doing this how was that for you genuinely I was really scared really scared I because I I went off and was like, I'm going to do this. I'm moving to London and, and going to drama school and see you in the West End, folks. Like, as you do when you're like a naive young 18-year-old, like moving to London. Um, and even to the point of I, my parents are the best parents ever, but I didn't want to, they, they'd helped me through through my drama school journey financially and and emotional support like I didn't want to disappoint them I didn't want to disappoint other people I'd made the decision and I was completely fine with it but I tell you there was a lot of nights where I was like not doing well because I didn't want to let other people down and so that's going to be that's again gonna is is a big thing if you if you do decide to kind of leave the industry it's really difficult to do because you know a lot of other people are invested in you um as a human um 
or at least we hope. Yeah, no, I think that's very true because obviously your friends and family have seen you go so far with it that I think when you maybe have an, another yearning or even if you don't have a complete side step to a different career, I think if you need a break, that's healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many, there's so many, again, not to, not to harp on about the mental health side of this industry, but there are so many difficult bits of this industry that we all go through that we're all on a daily basis struggling against. Um, So uh, being able to go, okay, listen, I'm going to take this year and I'm going to learn a new skill and and I'm going to, you know, work as a PA to fund that um, because I need that break. It's completely fine. But yeah, it was very, very difficult for me to leave, but I'm happier than I've ever been now. So that's all I can tell you is that it worked out okay for me. But, you know, everyone's on their own journey. Can you give us now maybe some tips and tricks that you have found coming from maybe in front of the camera to behind what you would say maybe to a performer if they need to do a self-tape and they're maybe paranoid or they they feel they don't have the right equipment or aptitude to do it or if someone wants a vocal reel, what should they kind of think about before just saying, I want a vocal reel, like think of the versatility in their voice maybe or different songs that may be needed? I think... Um... In, in a sense of it, purely from a practical standpoint, a lot of people get tied up on in, in equipment. You know, they go, "Okay, I don't have a camera, so I can't film this self tape." It's like, I'm sorry, but you're carrying around a thousand pound smartphone that has a great camera on it. Like a lot of people aren't expecting studio quality everything um, from every single thing that you do. You know, it's fine for you to do a self tape on your phone. It's fine for you to put some singing clips together on your phone. I'd, I'd say there's a lot more things we can do in the studio to help you get the best out of you that you might not be able to do on your phone. But don't let it stop you. Um, I always say to people when they come into the studio and they're so shocked about listening to themselves, I'm like, you should do this. You should put your phone on record and sing and then listen because you're learning, right? Um, I Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot that you can do just by yourself that that would really that will really advance your career and help you even just learn um the way forward yeah and there's also a lot of this you can do at home so even if it's i'm going to save up to get my showreel filmed but in those three weeks i'm working crazy i can sing a different song every day for instance and yeah, listen back. absolutely you can even i used to film myself singing because i i had no idea what i was what i looked like and when i would do it in the mirror i would be fine but um i would just set like my iphone on on a music stand and go and film myself and just see what i was doing i think that's a major benefit um and it's also if you like it if you then go and 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 watch that back and go oh my god i was actually really good yeah <laughs> it's fine to say that as well um it's fine to to think that you're you've done a good job you know uh and and you watch it and you go, okay, well, I can I can chuck that on my story today. And you might get a few little compliments to give you a little boost. And then that make that maybe means that tomorrow that you'll email somebody that will then give you an audition for something and you'll end up doing a show because yeah. you've you're in the right frame of mind. You've gone out and emailed or 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 you've you've spoken to a to a friend that you haven't spoken to in goodness how many years, and and you'll get something. It, it's really hard to quantify these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really hard to predict what's... Because there's no one way into this industry, right? There's no one way to go, oh, this is how you're going to be successful. But I think, you know, doing these little things um, 
to help you improve, but also maybe posting a, a, a thing of you singing now and again, and then you get a couple of really nice compliments, and you go, "Oh my god, yeah, that's great!" <laughs> like it's all about being able to con- continue. Uh, and I don't want to make this too much about mental health because there's there's already a lot out there about that in this industry. But you know, if you're in a good place, the world's your oyster. If you're in a bad place, you'll only ever think of the bad. So I, I always think positivity attracts positivity. Right, 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 absolutely. And again, you will have bad days and that's fine. And I always, if I'm having an awful day, I always give myself like um, a dwell window. So I'm like, Jamie, for the next two hours, you can feel like crap. And then after that, you're going to pop the kettle on and you're going to get on. And I, for me, yeah, that's absolutely. cathartic how I do that. But even something ridiculous, like uh, like I, I listened on a podcast recently, um, that you, if you smile for, and this was always a myth when I was younger, but... I believe it now. When you, if you smile for five minutes, you'll be happy. Yeah. So find a reason to smile for five minutes. Well, that's lovely. That I thought that's the title of your autobiography. Oh, find a reason to smile. Find a reason to smile. It's so kind. Um, in regards to video, how short and sweet should people get it? Because again, people I think get paralysed by thinking the fear of, oh my god, does it need to show this, this, and this? Does it need to be ten minutes long, five minutes? What would you say, kind of little nuggets for a voice reel, show reel? What length would you suggest actors or creators to have it at? I would say. If you think about it, people have less time now. People have less time for you, for you as an individual actor. People have less time for to watch things. So keep it shorter. I, I always say to my clients coming in, I'd say, listen, I'm happy to do whatever you want to do. But I would say two and a half minutes is your sweet spot of a voice reel. Because you can get through four styles. You can be really, it, it's a nice length. Um, but uh, ain't nobody got time for five minutes of you singing, and and uh, as, uh, your mum does, but you know, <laughs> like it's it's just one of those things you have to be really specific with what with what you're putting out, and if you if you go and pay and do a showreel scene and you you think oh the first half of that scene I'm not actually liking what I'm doing, then use the second half of the scene find a way to make it work. You know I think genuinely the shorter the better. Um, while still showing substance. So can you give us a list quickly of the multitude of services you offer and where people can find you online if they either just want to love listening to you or want to follow your journey or they may think, yes, I need to get that and video get that done. Done. Um, so I, my name is Jake Wabey. So I'm Jake Wabey on all the socials because my name is strange and unique. Um, so the and my production company is called JW Productions. Um, you can find us online at jakewabyproductions.com um, or on socials at JW Productions. Um, and then Vocal Reels you can find at vocalreels.com very easy yeah. to be found online <laughs> says what it doesn't in a tin, Vocal Reels that's which it which <laughs> is great um, if you've enjoyed today's episode please subscribe share give us a little review and obviously chuck Jake a message if you want to buy my dog or get a Vocal Reel done or yeah, anything or even if you have a question or a message I mean I, I'm just on a journey the same as you do you know what I mean Massive thank you to Jake Wavy. Do go over to his website, jakewavyproductions.com. Check out all of the amazing services he offers and do reach out because he might be able to help you with the problem you have. Also, if you are listening in real time, it is June 2020 and the British Podcast Awards have opened up its voting for the Listener's Choice category. The voting is open until July 6th. And if you are a listener of the podcast, I would love it so much if you could spare just 28 seconds to head over and vote for the Business of Show Business podcast. I had a friend who voted and timed themselves and it only took 28 seconds. So head to britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. 
type in the business of show business in the search section, hit enter, type your name and your email address and then just confirm to the email they send you. We've still got a few more episodes left on season one of the business of show business podcast. I can't wait to get them out. I'll be here next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.